Sorry. Hey, hey, hey. How are we doing this week, Heike? Awesome. I'm absolutely awesome. How are you, Ashley? I'm still here. Great. I'm, but yes, Obviously. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm still here in terms of this universe. I haven't gone off in a different universe yet. yet. Or at least I don't know. Yeah. See, I, I have seen something. Someone is waving at us because we have the wonderful, awesome, very creative Greg Friel with us today. Hi, Greg. Hello. How are you? Awesome. And you? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I have, I'm on my second coffee, so I'm going to be vaguely awake uh, for Saturday, um, but I'm feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So what brought you to this uh, this corner of the universe this weekend? Um, well, I heard the coffee was good. So that was obviously uh, um, a, a prerequisite for, for anything. Uh, I heard the conversation sucked, though, so you're going to have to step it up a bit. Okay. Well, just in terms saying. of the coffee, how, how are we feeling with the coffee so far? Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, yeah. We, we've, have we excelled? Um, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I know it's something about... BYOB kind of thing, uh, or BYOC. You bring your own coffee. Yeah, there you go. It work. Well, we we always try to go above and beyond, yeah. which is all good. <laughs> so, what is your poison? Um, um, okay, oh, can I tell you? Right, we got an espresso machine a few months ago. That are, are we allowed to spare? Yes, most definitely. Yes, oh, definitely. Encouraged. I'll, I'll avoid the F word. But I'm, I'll be mostly well behaved. But that shit is like crack, basically, is what I was going to say. Um, I'm on about five or six pods a day, at least. Oh, wow. Um, so normally when it gets to about nine o'clock at night, my wife can expect about 10 minutes of stand-up, just improv, just for no apparent reason whatsoever. I don't know where it's going, but she's kind of like, all right, caffeine high has just hit that peak. Um, so she, she just sort of sits there going, oh, God. But um, yeah, no, I am, I am a fan of good coffee. Nice okay. coffee. So me and, uh, me and George Clooney have something in common. Same only thing we have in common. Fabulous. Apart from my house in Italy, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's overrated. It's overrated. But one thing that I need to clarify before we can go any further. Mm -hmm. black, black coffee? Um, I can I actually, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll drink black coffee. Yeah. Um, I've, I have actually, I've massively, massively cut down on sugar, um, because I used to have like two and a half sugars in coffee um, okay. and I have more than halved my sugar intake. I'm, I'm on like one sugar. Uh, so, you know, lost weight, um, getting, you know, fit and healthy. And, um, I think it's made a huge difference, um, but, but I could have, like, I could have black coffee with nothing in it. And I'd be fine. But if I had, as soon as there's milk in it, I've got to put a bit of sugar in it. Fabulous. So what, what are your thoughts on pumpkin spiced lattes? I love and all of those. Lattes, I do love that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those um, American girls that's kind of like, oh my God, here's my pumpkin spice latte. And, and Instagram posts, that's me. Ashley, behave. No coffee war today. No coffee war. <laughs> I've already destroyed. I've already destroyed two planets because of this. I think okay. I can destroy another uh, one. No, I mean, I can totally, to I totally get it. I mean, it's not coffee. It's it's just the flavor. You know, it's just sugar, sugar, sugar. Um, but you know, yeah, um, I, I'm not gonna rain on anybody's parade. You know, if if somebody wants to go full pumpkin spice latte on that, then <laughs> they can go. Um, but if you know, if just you know, jet black coffee's how you roll, then so be it. Fabulous. Okay. I, I think I can let this I fly. I'm feeling. Okay. I, I'm going to try not to, um, okay. but it's all good. It's all good. So t today, uh, what are we talking about today, Heike? What's our, what's know, our topic actually, of actually debate? You just have this voice. It's kind of like, it's 10 o'clock at night and I'm going to take <laughs> you into the zone. <laughs> I'm just going to purr into the microphone. Absolutely. Ashley Griffiths. That's exactly what it zone. is. <laughs> okay, we just gained some some female followers now. <laughs> that, that was that was the idea. <laughs> you have to do more of that so we get more <laughs> followers, more listeners. Well, 
our um, <laughs> actually our um, theme today is very fitting to the voice thingy, and mm -hmm. because it's about passion. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. How about that? Greg, okay. do you make inappropriate phone calls? Well, I don't know. I've got the voice for it. <laughs> um, passion in business. What drives you? Oh, right, did right, you sorry. did you make your passion into your um, daily work or does yes. it lead you and all these things? So tell us a little bit what drives you? What is your why and your passion? Um, my why is to help people and organizations look at the world in a completely different way using music and creativity. Boom. There you go. I've read Simon Sinek up the wazoo. I know that's the backwards. <laughs> awesome. So fairly, fairly concise, you know, but uh, yeah. Um, to, and that basically, so it doesn't matter what it is that I end up doing or how I end up going about it, it all comes back to that. Um, so I always just want to, you know, add perspective to things from, from my unique experience. And um, it's going to be music, video, um, just fun, creative stuff. And um, if, if there can be humor in it, you know, absolutely. I'd rather be not serious. Um, there's an awful lot of seriousness in the world right now. Um, so, yeah, I try and lighten things up if, it, if it's all possible, if it's appropriate. I mean, if it's not appropriate, then I'm not going to be kind of like, you know, it's like, we'll take care of all your funeral needs now. <laughs> it's going to be hilarious. <laughs> no, not appropriate. But, um, yeah, well, yeah so, pro probably not. I, I see I see keyboards in the background there. Yes, I am actually in my studio. So uh, this is my home studio. I've got a studio in, in the center of town, but this is my studio at home, which I have set up since lockdown started so i have a fully operational battle station <laughs> <laughs> i just have to go into that voice randomly at points just see because i've got the headphones on i hear it like it's like wow um yeah so i actually can do everything here i've got um um mics keyboards guitars drums bass guitars whatever oh um, fabulous so everything music wise i can i can do here there's nothing i can't do here um, that I do in my studio in town apart from record other people you're not coming to my house to record um, we'll record you know in town so obviously because of the lockdown situation that's not possible and also just whenever you know we weren't really allowed out I was like I need to be able to work on anything I want to do creatively mm. um, and so I set this up really sort of maybe about two months into Lockdown. I was. I, I. I just brought. I initially brought the studio computer home, and I just sort of had all that here. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I. Don't, I don't want to keep going back and forth with with gear and all. That. I'm just going to get stuff up at home, and uh, it's been fantastic. It's been great. So now, I'll just you know whenever I come up with an idea at ten o'clock at night, eleven o'clock at night, which is very common for me. Yeah, I can work till two, three in the morning, um, with no distractions. You know, and I'm not worried about driving home late at night. You know? <laughs> um, or I forgot my key and my wife's freaking out because I'm, all right, sorry, it's two o'clock in the morning. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I love working from home. I mean, I used to work from home before I actually had my studio in town. I, I had a, a, a studio out in the country. It was just like this cottage in the middle of nowhere, which was great for making noise. Uh, Shite for getting clients because nobody could get there. <laughs> it was like in the middle of nowhere. It's like there's no public transport. You send sure. up smoke signals so that people can vaguely find the place, you know. But um, but I've got the I've got the place in town, and I've been there since 2006. Um, yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome. So, what kind of like what kind of music do you do you like? Well, actually, if you've done your research, you would know. Uh, <laughs> I, I have. I've, I I've seen him. Your awesome. I tagged I've him. Seen, I've seen your awesome videos. Okay, um, we'll get it. Um, yeah, I, I love, I really do love cheesy pop, mainstream pop, rock stuff, um, but dance. There's a, mainstream is kind of very much kind of where my heart and my head is, um, I, and I don't apologize for it. But it doesn't mean that just because you're doing mainstream music that it has to be meaningless or vacuous or not have, you know, not say something. Sure. So, uh, one of my favorite things to do is I'll 
do something that musically sounds really light and fluffy, but it's kind of like the lyrics are the entire human race got wiped out and, you know, or something really dark or just a bit more compelling than just like, la, 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 la. Um, so I love that juxtaposition of yeah. the lyric content and against the, you know, sort of jaunty melody. Um, that's my favorite kind of music to do. But um, so that could be anything. I mean, I've written uh, all kinds of songs and work with all kinds of artists from, you know, in pop, rock, country, dance music. Yeah. So <clears throat> really quite a, quite a broad range. Awesome. Music, awesome. Good music's good music. I mean, I don't judge it. I'm, I'm very much kind of like, that's a good tune. I like it. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I mean, music, you could probably see I've got like a load of stuff behind me over there and music is a big part of my I'm life. Seeing my CD cover at all there. See, I would have said, I, <laughs> no, I, I, I have, I have, I have yours framed. Right. Just a shot. You're, you're, you're right. You're right next to David Bowie on my wall. Nice. Um, if we were actually in my studio, you would see the David Bowie stuff on, on my wall. Um, I've got five, about five or six different album covers and vinyl on the wall of you there ah oh, awesome awesome so then the, the ultimate question is and I, I guess would be if you could only take one david bowie album to a desert island which one would it be mm. <laughs> <laughs> um maybe oh, so it's probably going to be either ziggy stardust or um aladdin scene uh the glam stuff yeah, okay. I do, uh, do kind of like a lot of this, but I, I like when he kind of went a bit weird. Okay. Um, I, I, you know what I thought was incredible from an, like an artistic point of view, his last album was like this staggering artistic achievement. I just thought <sighs> it's not something that I'm kind of like, mm, I want to listen to that all the time, but I hugely respected it. And the fact that Lazarus came out, you know, like, and it was like, like the day he died or the day after he died or something like that. Yeah. Uh, or day before he died. And you're like, oh my God. To to literally have your death as your final artistic masterstroke, I thought was this just incredibly powerful thing. So I think as an artist, I thought I thought you may it might be a strange thing to say, but I thought it was like a like a really sort of crowning achievement. It's like, you know, I'm gonna go out the way my artistic life has been um, and I thought it was just incredibly, incredibly powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Black Star. Um, mm. How about yourself, Heike? Any, any thoughts on the David Bowie debate? Well, <laughs> weirdly enough, I'm, I love David Bowie. I have no clue why. <laughs> he is or he was a fantastic, fantastic artist. And but his music was never something that I really wanted to buy, but always listened to when it was on the radio. And this is the um, same thing. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Heike. This is the same thing for me. Like I wasn't a massive David Bowie fan until like maybe about a year before he died. And because where my studio is, there's a studio next door. And one of the guys there, Dave, is a massive David Bowie fan. And he was like, well, you really, really need to get, get into him. And I actually had all these David Bowie album covers and stuff on the wall because artistically I loved all the stuff. And I always respected him, but it wasn't like I'm going to listen to him. Like you said, not like listen to him um, a lot. And I kind of really got into him super, super late. And it wasn't, for me growing up, it was always Prince. Prince was everything. But um, <laughs> I kind of got into it um, really kind of late. In the, and then then it was like, how have I not been a massive David Bowie fan all this time? Because it's everything that I love in terms of, you know, the the theatre of it and taking the the look and the style of, you know, the photos, the videos, the performance, the live show, everything, you know, it's it's all part of this seamless kind of package, um, which is what I loved about Prince as well. But why I wasn't like massively, massively into him before then, I actually have no idea. Sorry, Heike, carry on. Mm-hmm. No worries. I'll stop interrupting. For me, it's it's like this thing, David Bowie's ever present. There is um, not one day for me where I don't stumble over him, especially with one of my favorite movies, The Labyrinth. Labyrinth? Mm. Labyrinth? I have Labyrinth, no clue yeah. how to say it. And um, that was one of the first movies I ever saw with him. And I immediately, immediately fell in love with him and the music. And 
come on, it's it was Jim Henson. So the whole movie is just mm -hmm. a masterpiece and his music is a masterpiece. He himself was a masterpiece, weirdly enough, because he's so not mainstream. Mm -hmm. And then um, I got into this into his music because my siblings are way, way older than I am. So they were into David Bowie. So I was drip drip fed it drip fed drip fed david bowie every day like and madonna and prince and i was a michael jackson a huge massive michael jackson fan myself mm -hmm. and so david bowie was ever present and then i saw this movie where he played this alien guy and yeah man who fell to earth yes and it yeah, completely yeah. disturbed me <laughs> It really, I, I, I was like, I'm never going to watch that again. It was so disturbing for me. I, I don't mm. know. I was 16, maybe. And then he I, I, me. I, I thought he was really creepy looking. He scared yes. the hell out of me. Yeah, as a kid, yes. I was scared of him. Yeah. And I was scared, uh, like, same with Prince, actually. Initially with Prince, I, I wasn't into Prince straight away. I was kind of like, who's this creepy guy? You know, it's like with the, the, the makeup and the clothes and all this kind of stuff. I was like, what? This is like, it was really, it was so shocking and so, so different. But it was like, it was exactly the reason why I find him so compelling and so interesting. Were all you know all the reasons that you would be freaked out by it? Were all the reasons that you were like, I cannot stop watching this. <laughs> oh, I loved I loved Prince. I loved how he looked, but the only thing was like, oh my gosh, he's so tiny. He's <laughs> mm -hmm. so tiny, and it was like, how how is that even possible? And why is he wearing heels? And because he's so tiny. Yeah, but especially because he was so different and so colorful and, and he was not mainstream. I totally loved him. And so it's, it's yeah, my first movie with him was Purple Rain. And, and mm -hmm. yeah, that was like, yes, well, I, mean, all I love you. Movies are horrendous. But um, no, apart from, sorry, uh, Sign of the Times, the concert movie is the greatest concert movie ever. Um, you know, prove me wrong. It's just genius. Yep. Absolutely genius. Um, I remember the first time I saw that, I literally spent the whole time like, <laughs> you know, and I spent, when I first started being a musician, I, I must have spent 15 years easily hating myself because it was never going to be as good as Prince. Um, and uh, most musicians who I know are just like, yeah, Prince is the man. He's just, because he was mm. a genius, absolute genius. Yep. A musician's musician. But because of that, you do feel incredibly insecure about what it is you do yourself because you think, well, compared to Prince, I'm shit. Um, but nobody's judging you against Prince. Just That's yeah. just yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, and he, I mean, I just, he's the greatest of all time. You know, he's the greatest guy to do, it, to do everything, you know, to literally, you know, singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, incredible musician at all these different instruments. But that was kind of what, really to go back to the, the original, you know, idea of passion. That's what I loved about what was he did when it, whenever his records in the eighties said produced, arranged, composed and performed by Prince. I loved that because it was like, I'm hearing Prince. It's what, this is what he wants to say. And that's what I wanted to do. So all of my records say produced, arranged, composed and performed by Greg Friel. Yeah. Um, and in brackets, it should say not as good as Prince. But <laughs> But um, but it was totally the same thing as that. I've got songs in my head, and then when I when I come up with them, then I hear the whole thing, and and I want to be able to just put that down. So it was like learn this instrument, learn that instrument. Um, I don't want to argue with somebody about what's going on my song. How dare you speak about my song? You don't know. Um, so when it comes to songwriting, I'm not a massive fan of collaboration. It's different. It depends what it is. Um, if I'm doing something like it's k-pop or some you know stuff for the you know the far east market and that kind of stuff then you're normally working with like four or five other people or that kind of thing and that's fun uh it's a different kind of thing sure but yeah. if you're going to write if, if you're going to tell me how my songs like the songs that i've written about my life and all this kind of thing should sound or maybe you should change that line maybe you should go and you know fuck yourself I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> there we go. So eloquently poor. <laughs> Sorry, but... Hey, uh, I, I, I was thinking that, and I was like, how can I not say that? You're but, allowed yeah. to say it. But yeah, so uh, anything, anything goes language-wise uh, here. Yeah, but I'm trying, I'm trying to be civilised here. I just, you know... No, don't, I won't worry about that. You know, there's... We're at the uh, end of the universe. Yes. <laughs> and there is, is actually... 
the documentary on on Netflix um, about swear words, and it is said mm. that the more intelligent you are, the more you're swearing. So we must be bloody intelligent. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I, I I have a you know a few friends who are like my wife does not like me swearing. It's the one thing that I do. I, I like I, like I don't smoke, I don't drink, really, um, and I. I just I find swearing quite fun. And I, oh, I, I love it! I, I it can just be hilarious. There's just some words that are just kind of like, like, I'm I'm not going to say the word right, but the MF word, um, I use it all the time. I do use it all the time, and like literally, I greet friends with that one. What's up, mother? You know, and um, <laughs> and there's so, most of my friends are the same as me, and they kind of like they'll say something equally as offensive back, you know, and it's a term of endearment. And the C word because I'm Irish. <laughs> You know, that's just like a comma. Yeah, well, yeah, I was going to say it, it makes much, excellent punctuation. Yeah, and it's just like, but it is a, an affectionate thing. It's not like an offensive thing. But you forget this whenever you're talking to other people. And I have a client and a friend who I won't name because I won't embarrass her. But um, and she's she's a you know really lovely lady and very very polite and very well spoken, very elegant. Um, and but she'll swear herself, but she hates me saying the mf word and the c word and it's like so i'm like i feel like i'm getting told off if i say it in front of it's so like a very much you know? <laughs> it, it, it's hard it's hard to have that filter i think you know i know for me like in my background in education you know you really had to really had <laughs> to watch my tongue you, you fucking kids you know i mean just no it, 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 there was I, I couldn't believe my restraint um mm. especially when you consider that when people yeah in my everyday speech i'm yeah very colorful well i mean see this is the thing i had a meeting with a an uh, an agency the other day an ad agency the other day and talking about doing some stuff together and they were like you know greg we couldn't get away with what it is that you do <laughs> and i was like how do you mean you said well you know with the swearing and stuff i'm like i don't swear i never swear in my videos i never swear in my posts yeah mm -hmm. um the energy might suggest that you know I'm, I'm like that you know um but i never do um but, but i thought that was quite interesting that they felt that i did even though i didn't you know I said, uh, but in a conversation with them you know if you know if it was acceptable then it was you know then fair enough but i i tend to think that like when it comes to like social media posts or marketing i think it's just cheap and it's kind of like, aren't we edgy? Aren't we like a okay. little bit different? And it's kind of, oh, we're really daring, you know, because we said the F word or whatever. And you're kind of like, well done. Um, I just think it's, you kind of ran out of ideas. Uh, I think you can be edgy and different and push the envelope a bit, but without resorting to that. Um, but, um, but having said that, I love to swear. So, you know. Yes. I'm a huge, uh, huge fan of that. Um, but yeah, just kind of coming back, looping back to um, a point that Heike brought up earlier on, um, David Bowie and Labyrinth. Okay. I actually don't think I've ever seen that movie. I've um, seen bits of it, but I, I don't think I've okay. seen the whole thing. So thoughts on the wig? Um, well, I've seen pictures, obviously, of that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a, it's a movie, you know, and it's, it's a character. So, you know, um, my favorite look for David Bowie, though, was, see, around 2002, he looked fantastic. He just, like, on stage, he just looked the coolest he ever looked. His band was incredible. And, you know, like, there's some, like, live stuff from around then. I think it's Isle of Wight. It's on YouTube and maybe Glastonbury, maybe. But, um, but around that period, you just, like, he just, he was, like, you are a rock god. He just looked awesome. He just had like a floating scarf and, you know, blonde locks. You know, just, um, he just looked fantastic. And he always just, he's somebody who just had so much effortless charisma. Absolutely. And I think that's so yeah. sadly lacking um, these days. You know, people, you know, try too hard. Um, <laughs> or, you know, it's, they go the other way and it's kind of just... Um, because because of social media and the Kardashians and all that kind of, let I'm going to tell you absolutely everything about my life kind of thing. Um, a lot of that mystery is gone, and I kind of miss quite a bit of that. You know, I love that about 
prints um, that yeah. you, you would never imagine that like, is he, is he going to go shopping? What? Imagine seeing prints in a supermarket. So when I hear stories, you know, from his you know friends or whatever, and people that work yeah. with them say, yeah. So me and Prince went to this supermarket. And I was like, Prince in a supermarket? What? It does yeah. not compute. Could compute because you know Prince was like this otherworldly being. Yes. You know, uh, and I love that about stars. I love that about um, showbiz people that you know you create this persona and it's you know this hyper realized version of you know, who you are. I mean, I'm not myself as a performer. I'm like super OTT on stage, um, but I'm not off. Um, well, <laughs> I'm I'm more than I used to. I, I used to be very much kind of like, I'm, I'm quiet and shy and retiring when I was off. But I'm quite, I'm actually, I'm quite insufferable actually most of the time now. I'm just kind of like, I'm on, I'm on all the time. I think it's just the coughing. I think it's like caffeine, caffeine, caffeine. And as soon as I go on a Zoom call or whatever, I'm kind of like, there's a camera. It's a stage. I'm performing. You know, and, <laughs> and there's that. Yeah. Well, I think there's an element of that, like performance really in anything, isn't there? Like certainly you've mentioned a lot about social media um, and putting yourself out there and stuff. And I sometimes feel like it's kind of almost like a performance. Like you're, oh, yeah, you're no, performing totally. in front of your crowd, even if, you know, without looking at the whole be your authentic self debate mm -hmm. or, or whatever. I do think there's a lot element of performance there. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, I am authentically me online. Um, but that's not to say that I am not strategic in every single piece of content that I'm putting out. You know, um, that it might just look like I'm doing some daft fluff comedy kind of thing but there's a reason why i'm doing it um and and then you know i'll do some something else that's like a really really like high spec video because guess what i'm going to get clients want me to do high spec videos for them you know and when like i i did a ridiculous video last week it was lockdown hair care tips yes <laughs> you know hilarious amounts of engagement and comments from people but i ended up getting work from it because people were like you know greg we, we need to to do more fun content online can you help us with it yes i can you know and i, and I think that's what people can especially because i'm just such a huge advocate of content marketing yeah. um and it's kind of quite meta for me because i'm the content that, that i'm creating is actually the content that i would create for for somebody else you know so i'm showing exactly what I, what I do um, in every conceivable way. So you know, quite often it's kind of like, I did the music, I did the video, I did it, all of this. Um, you know, so people get to see who I am and what I do through all the content that I share. Plus they awesome. get to learn what to do with their hair. Absolutely. Yeah, um, pandemic. You, you gave me some invaluable tips basically to stay hats. in the dark room. Ash, what is hats. It? Yeah, hats. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was hoping that you you could maybe bring me back from the void. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think there's there's sometimes when you've just got to let go. Um, and I think that was about twenty years ago, man. And um, so I mean, it becomes more about therapy and and really just sort of coping coping with change and coping with the fact that you know it's loss. I mean, it, it's it's like a bereavement. It, it is, um, but I mean, I can only sympathise with you because I mean, that would just be horrific for me. Um, I think I would literally. I mean, obviously, I've got an emergency hair fund, um, so that should you know that actually happen to me, there's you know some specialist in Switzerland who is literally on standby um, to do plugs. Um, it has to happen. <laughs> It's just, it's inevitable. Yeah. Okay. I think, yeah, that's something I should have probably uh, got on to years ago. I mean, the, the family, the family DNA um, right. suggested that this was going to happen. So I did embrace it at a young age. You know, it's funny. My dad started to go bald when he was 17. Yeah. Um, and my older brother, Ed's, you know, he's got a receding hairline. My younger brother, Owen, he, same deal. Um, I don't know what's going on with me. 
I still have my hair, but I'm grateful for every day. Um, and it gives me the opportunity to make ridiculous videos. So obviously, yeah. So great, great to hear that you've uh, got a plan set all set up for your hair, and that you have amazing hair. And someone also with amazing hair is Heike. Yes, um, <laughs> goes without saying. I mean, I think we're kind of talking more sort of Greek goddess here in terms of like the flowing locks. <sighs> yes, it's more that kind of thing. But only the locks, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, I love my hair. I have hair. Well, I have curls and that's basically it, but I love them. And um, yeah. So that's quite interesting though. I mean, I know, you know, there's a lot of girls that's kind of like, oh, I hate my curls. And, and it's like straightener, straightener, straightener. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no matter what I do, it's always curly, curly, curly. Um, but how, are you someone that's always, um, I've just completely taken over by the way. So are you someone that's um, always enjoyed having curly hair? Yes. There was a time I, I started off with being blonde and, and having curls when I was about zero to six. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden I went brunette. And um, in my teenager times, I lost my curls. And that right. was devastating because I always had curls. And so I started to get um, a perm. Is it called perm? Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And perms look obviously differently from, from natural, natural curls. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I stopped having that. I, I dyed my hair in, in the wildest colors. And all of a sudden, my curls said, okay, we will reappear. And ever since, I, I am so happy they are back and I love them. I know that people perceive them as messy and as being wild or whatever. And that it is not uh, something you should have uh, when you go out to some fancy dinner. But I actually never understood that. And I also, I understand, or I acknowledge that there are many, many women who don't want to have curls or um, this kind of hair and that they straighten it, but I will never really understand it because curls are so, so awesome. They are easy to handle. They, um, you don't need to do much with them. And um, basically you always look good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is for me is that my hair is like, unbelievably straight it's just like really really fine and thin so like if i like just wash my hair and dried it and didn't put any products in it it's just it's flat on my head and it's just gonna hang down like there um so like i need loads of product in my hair to make it look interesting and make it look like it's wavy or whatever when it's not at all yeah i mean i, I not a problem i have i mean it's literally i can it's just a once over and my hair is good to go for the day. I mean, so that is one of the benefits of being bold. I was speaking to somebody recently who got a, a tattoo on their, okay. their head. Like, as in, like, a what, hair like Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it's like pinpoints of, of hair. So it looks like they've got a hairline, but it's like as if they've shaved their hair, but it, they've got a hairline. I'm kind of like, okay. Is that is that would be that would that be something you would recommend to to me as opposed to a hat or do you not think I could carry that look off? I don't know. I mean, I I don't think it's for me to speak to other people's you know hair decisions because I think it's too important. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, I'm willing to put faith. I'm willing to put faith in you here, Greg. Yeah, each each to their own, you know. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I think. I don't, I, mean, I don't understand. Like, why would you get like a hair, like a tattoo of a hairline, and not just get a, a hair transplant? Or you know? Or why not a cool tattoo in itself? Then, when you when you when you're bold, why not go for for a great why tattoo? You just, if you're gonna if you're gonna tattoo the top of your head, why don't you just say, "I used to have hair." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something in space. It, no it, was, parking. it was not always a desert. Yeah. <laughs> keep clear at all times <laughs> I, I, I like that so just talking about products earlier on Heike you yeah. were telling me about some weird and wonderful product that you put oh in your God. hair <laughs> yes could, could you yes. could you share because it baffled me maybe well. Greg will appreciate this more than I did 
Yeah, that would be maybe something or not for him. I don't know. I Several, several years ago, I came across a product at a hairdresser, which is called whipped cream milkshake foam. It's actually really cold <laughs> like that. And when you <laughs> pour it out, <laughs> when you when you spray it, it really makes this appearance like proper whipped cream. And um, it smells of vanilla like, like and... A, it sounds like a 70s porno. Yes, it, is. <laughs> it basically is because that stuff is so awesome for the hair. It's kind of a right. conditioner and a foam and it smells, it makes it soft. It's, 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 oh, I love it. <laughs> I think this is the thing with hair products as well. Whenever they make them smell like amazing, if it's like coconut, or like vanilla smelling or whatever, so you can like, wow. And then you, then you can like put the, the stuff in your hair and then, then you can like, Yes. <laughs> you sniff. You sniff yourself old. <laughs> or then, then, then you forget that you actually got the stuff on that smells, and people walk past you, and you kind of like, "What's that, that smells? Can you smell like coconut?" Someone kind of like, "That's my hair." <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> like like, it, it, yeah. it is even so good that um, my Peter, my cat. Um, he usually loves it when I have my hair open and he wants to crawl into my hair. But as soon as I have this foam in, he's he's like all over me and it's like, go away, go away. What are you doing? Fuck off. Jeez. Yeah. I have to say, I've never been a fan of cats. <gasps> okay, you just it's lost fine. lost some sympathy points Same. with me. Um, although okay. I, I, I come across a couple of cats recently that were actually vaguely pleasant, I just think that they're sitting in the corner silently plotting to kill you. You know, what I mean? it's like they're just sitting there, like I'm biding my time, and when you least expect it, you know, it's just like <laughs> okay. Whereas dogs yeah. are like, yeah, you know, like <laughs> you know what I mean. Cats are kind of like, I will destroy you. There is certainly something of the night. Of, uh, when it yeah. comes to cats i mean I, I i've always been a dog person i love cats as well cats were my first pet um but yeah you can always see they always look like they're plotting i kind yeah. of get that they're, one they're just kind of like mm-hmm. i will have my time <laughs> yeah as soon as you're out of the room i swear my sky ha- must have thumbs and each time when i'm out of the room she goes like pops them out and then all of a sudden stuff which can which with screw tops are open and she got to her brekkie no wait uh, what's it called um goodies her stuffy thingies mm-hmm. and um each time when i'm in the room she's like oh i'm i'm totally um lovable and i am never doing anything mischievous and i'm here love me cuddle me yeah but as soon as i'm out of the room yeah then have you ever thought have you ever thought about like a pet cam? I don't know if you, you must have seen these, like I think most of the internet memes have probably created as a result yeah, of pet no, cams. No, I'm, I'm afraid what will them. appear on the cams <gasps> when I forget that it is on. No, I don't want to see that. No one wants to see that. No. <laughs> have you seen um, Pooch Perfect? Yes. Oh my gosh, I love that movie. Mm. Uh, no, no, no. Pooch Perfect. Uh, put, no. T- TV show. It's all about grooming dogs. Uh, oh. It's like uh, dog groomers and, and it's like a competition to like have the most like, you know, the best looking dogs and all this kind of thing. And anyway, it's, it's my wife's obsessed with it, but it's kind of a bit bizarre. Um, and they did have this episode where they like dyed them different colors and stuff. I'm, I was like, this oh, is no. sick. That's not right. And it's kind of like, one of them looked like a flag of a third world country. Can you say third? You're not allowed to say uh, underdeveloped country. Um, and yeah, it just kind of looked like, what is green and red and weird? It's just bizarre. And I'm like, it's not, it's not a toy. It is actually an animal, a pet. I just thought it was a bit weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I, I remember when, when I was living in Japan, um, when I was going, like every Sunday, I'd go to um, the onsen, the, the spa there. And right next door to it was a dog grooming place. Every time I walked past, like it was a big, huge window. Look, look, this is what we do. So that was their marketing as people were walking past. And every time I walked past, the dogs just looked, well, Miserable. bemused, bemused. So I think maybe even plotting as well. So maybe they needed some cats to kind of come along Absolutely. and uh, help them out at that point. 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that could have that could have been it. That could have been it. But kind of coming back to um something we you said earlier on, I mean you you're obviously a very creative a creative person. Hikers obviously Thank you so very much. creative person. You're more than welcome, sir. Um so we're all kind of creative in our own way. I mean, hiker with our images, me and my words, you with your music. I mean what, what when was like the first point that you thought that you might be able to kind of combine that creativity and create a business from that? I never thought about the fact that I'm in business or I'm running a business until, and, I, and this is my 28th year of being self-employed. Okay. Um, but I never thought of I'm running a business until about four years ago. I mean, I went to university and I did a business degree, okay. but I was like, I'm going to be a rock star. <laughs> um, so like, I'll, I'll get the degree dad, you know, cause that's what my dad wanted me to do. Yeah. Um, but I was playing piano in, in bars and restaurants to make money to pay, to get through uni. And, and then whenever I graduated, the only jobs I was being offered were the same kind of jobs I could get before I went to university. So I was like, well, have I just completely wasted three years of my life here? Um, yeah. And I kind of then just sort of fell into doing, you know, the music side of things because that's what I wanted to do. So I was gigging, um, um, singing at the weekends. And at that time, I met my wife. She's a singer as well. We both had the same agent. And we worked together for, for years doing, doing gigs. And, um, and I was, you know, then writing and producing during the week whenever we weren't gigging. I was, you started working with other, other artists and that kind of thing. And then that became more my, my work. Um, I did that really sort of solidly for about 10 years. Um, but the world, you know, changed in terms of the music industry, streaming came along and all that sort of yeah. things. And I, mean, I used to earn a living working with record companies and management companies, it'd be, you know, developing artists. So it'd be, here's some money, go and work with this boy mm-hmm. band for a few months. And then they stopped doing that because every kid's got a laptop and they're a producer. So why do we need to spend any money? You know, yeah, you did it. Um, so that business model, as it were, completely disappeared. Um, and the music industry doesn't work the way traditional business does. So as much as you can be, you know, aware of and study business, mm-hmm. you would have to completely throw out the art side of things as, as well to okay. treat it kind of like that, uh, which never set well with me but um but also it's just it's horrible it's really really difficult um you know from the point of view of people very rarely mean what they say and um whenever you know it can be kind of like we've scheduled this meeting we've scheduled this doesn't happen um or a a company bankrupts themselves so they avoid paying you you know all these wonderful things you know just all that so it's never it was never like well business rules don't apply here. So, you know, I can't even think of it in terms of like running it like a business. Okay. Uh, And I was always, I suppose there's the artistic side of me as well. That was like, I'm a musician. (laughs) So, you know, know, this is my art, you know, and it kind of resisted that kind of like business is like this horrible corporate thing. Um, And there's still, and I, I, I would actually say this has really only been reconciled for me over the past year because when I f- started working outside of the music industry, I guess four or five years ago, I was like, I kind of guess I have to fit in a bit, which was precisely the wrong approach. Um, because the reason I get work is because I'm different and, and I'm sure. offering perspective and I'm coming from a completely different world and a co- completely different uh, background. And that's what my unique sound point is. Um, and my father said to me about maybe a year, year and a half ago, least he said greg you don't really want clients you just want an audience yeah (laughs) and and he's right but and it's a very shrewd observation but from the point of view of influencing how i then went about how i'm going to do my business it was like okay if i'm in control of the narrative if i am doing webinars coaching uh you know consulting uh Mm -hmm. that kind of thing being the creative force then that's cool with me that that sort of keeps the performance performance side of me kind of happy yeah and also i'm not 
if you know I'm not doing the the client thing so much. Uh, I mean, obviously, I do have clients, but the way it is and the way it, my approach has certainly been more recently is this is what I do. Yeah, it's going to be exactly what some people want, and it's going to be exactly what other people don't want. But you're going to know exactly that it's me. You know, uh, it's very much my personality, and you get me. Um, rather than trying to do something very vanilla and just kind of like, we help SMEs to develop their marketing strategy. What? That's great. <laughs> and there's loads of people that do that and they do well and whatever. Um, and also, I think the thing is, I don't want to build an agency. I don't sure. want, to, I could, but I don't want to. I don't want to build a business and then I'm going to spend all my time running a business. I mm-hmm. want to spend my time being creative and being me and have fun creating the content that I'm creating. Um, and as I keep doing that and going about that, then it gets bigger and grows and, uh, you know, from there. Sure. Um, and it's and it's it's all about me, uh, you know. But um, but that but that fits for me, you know. Um, and that that's less a business approach, and it is business, obviously. But oh, um, makes sense. But it makes more sense to me, and it feels right for me, and it's it kind of squares the the circle for me. Um, and yeah. it's like it's not like. <laughs> icky like i'm running a business and not, not that i should feel like that but it's just i'm sort of very free-spirited and you know i like to be creative and not feel like i'm tied down to anything in particular or and, I, and it can be quite hard you know if 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 the client was totally in charge of you mm-hmm. know this is what we want to do and i'm kind of like okay uh and sometimes you, you know obviously you know you you do exactly what the client wants yeah but um it can be quite tedious that way if it's just back and forth and yeah. it's like, well, that's a pretty dull way of doing this, you know, rather than um, doing something more unique and a bit more interesting, you know, it was a very long winded answer there. Well, it's good. I think, I think there's a lot of things that people from that, I mean, there's, there's certain, certainly a few things that jumped out at me. And, and I know things that will probably jump out at other people. I mean, the fact that you're, you know, you're not wanting to be pigeonholed into a specific, I'm a businessman and I do this. You're, you're, you're yeah. a performer first and foremost, and you've found a system that works best for you. Yeah. And, and I think this is something that a lot of people have problems with when they go into business and you know, they, they don't want to do the sales. They don't want to do the marketing. They don't, well, I'm not a business person. I'm a this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously out on social media world and all of that and on the internet, it's like, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to do this. You have to follow this model and, and you kind of lose yourself. Well, I think the thing is as well is that, you know, you don't got to do anything. Exactly. You know? um, I, I, I find that, unbelievably restricting and tedious and mm-hmm. it's kind of like, oh and, and the idea that well oh, you're doing that wrong how am i doing it wrong yeah i'm just doing it differently uh and obviously there's certain you know, there's technical things that you should do and there's obviously understanding the behavior on different platforms yeah. and all that kind of stuff um but i'll consciously do something like a piece of content and place it somewhere where you wouldn't expect <laughs> because it's going to stand out on that platform you know and just be different. Um, And, you know, there's nothing that says you have to be mind numbingly dull. But I think the thing, the thing is that when I first started business networking, it was, it was really depressing because I was like, Oh my God. You know, I, I I mean, I'd be meeting people and and I'd see somebody across the, the room, you know, this was in the real world, you know, and I'd be like, but his name's Alan. <laughs> Comes up, hello, my name's Alan, and uh, I work for such and such accounting. And I'm like, hi, Alan. Wow. Um, and, and Alan's perfectly nice, perfectly lovely. But if I did his job, I would kill myself. You know, I'm just like, oh, my God, this is just so life-sappingly dull. Yeah, and and I would constantly meet people. And don't get me wrong, I love meeting people, and I love finding it. Everybody's story is different, that kind of thing. But there are people that do jobs, and I'm kind of like, okay, I do that as well in my job, along with the twenty other things that I do. But I was like, 
but that's all you do all day. Yeah. Like, I couldn't handle the, yeah. the, you know, it's like, it's this thing. This is the only thing I do. Yeah. So I, I do, do CRM systems, CRM systems. <laughs> wow. Fuck. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I, I, I find anything that disconnects you from people and makes it less human. It's, it's just horrible. Um, so whenever it's like, I, I did a, a, a potential client come to me recently, like, Greg, could you, could you construct like a five email system of bringing people on, like on board? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like a sales system with, in constructing it in five emails. I'm like, yeah. okay, there's plenty of people that would be really, really good at, at that. Yeah. I am not that person because that's just, it's, it's just so impersonal. And it's just like, yeah. how are you even thinking about the other person? And that's just a numbers game. That's just like, well, if you send out enough of these, something's going to stick at some point. Yeah. But yeah. For me, it's always about, well, well, let's find out who these people are and actually communicate with. It's like, I did a video, video about this a couple of years ago, I think it was, um, where somebody came up to me in the street. I was, I was literally running for the train. I was going to miss it. And they, they kind of stood in front of me uh, and they were like, you know, hi, would you like to save the snow, snow leopard? I'm like, what? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I mean, snow leopard's great. It's fine, I'm going to miss my train. And then they proceeded to talk to me about snow leopards. I'm like, number one, you don't know if I was attacked by a snow leopard and have Very a true. pathological objection to anybody even mentioning snow leopards. You don't know. You have no context. But it's like somebody coming up or saying, just like literally walking past you in the street, hi, would you like to buy a car? What the fuck? You have no context yep. at all, mm. you know? And, and so this is what everybody gets wrong. It's like, assuming everybody is your customer and it's just yeah. like, I'm just going to put stuff out there and you can like, right. Okay. Um, and it's just, it doesn't, yeah. Not it doesn't, yeah. I think again, that's kind of links back to something you said earlier on about knowing, you know, you said as a performer, you know, you want an audience, mm-hmm. but I've heard this, this um, phrase used a lot recently. I used it in, in my messages and stuff and, you know, you speak to your audience, mm-hmm. you know, use the platform, whatever platform yep. you're using to speak to your audience. Now, all, all those people, I mean, like just to use kind of music analogy or all these people going to come to every single one of your gigs and buy everyone's your CDs or whatever. No, but, you know, by speaking to them, the people that really want to come and see you and speak with you, they're going to come. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the thing is, it's, and it's the consistency, you know, it's just, you know, if, yeah. if you're regularly appearing in those locations where your audience is, mm-hmm. then they know where to find you and they know that you're going to be there and you're going to put something out every day or what, you know, however you choose to do it. Um, but whenever you sort of set the tone and set the agenda, like I'm going to do this on a Monday, Tuesday, you know, and, and there's some kind of structure to it, which helps. Yep. Um, then people go, yeah, well, oh, Greg's doing this today, you know, or who, what, whatever. Um, and so, you know, if, if people like what it is that you do, then they will stick with you and connect with you. Um, but it's whenever you're inconsistent and it's all over the place and it's randomly posting and hoping for the best or you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, and there's no real strategy behind it, that's where it's kind of like a mess. Whereas everything that I do, it might seem random, but it's very strategic. You know, there's like a, a long-term plan for what it is I'm doing. And, and I started a podcast three, four years ago because I wanted to be seen within the business community because I wasn't known in the business community yeah. at all. And I used it as a way to network and get to know people. I would interview people to get to know them and they would get to know me and and it'd be kind of like, all right. And it wasn't like, I want to build the biggest podcast. No, because everything about what it was I was doing was I was interviewing local people in, in the local business community because that's where I wanted to be known to, yep. to get work initially. Um, if, I'm, if I'm seeking to build a podcast and go big with it, then I'll go big with it and I'll approach bigger people and, yep. and, and try and grow it that way. But, um, you know, it, it's understanding that from a content marketing point of view, you're going to bring in certain people and you, you know, the content that you do is going to attract certain people and you, but you can use that content as a way, you know, to use 
a businessy term, lead gen, you know, to bring yep. people in, you know, interview mm. the people that you want to get to know and, and you want them to get to know who you, you are yep. and what you do rather than cold calling them or cold emailing them, interview them because everybody's sure. flattered when they, uh, why do you think I'm on this piece of shit show? <laughs> <laughs> everybody's flattered when they're asked to speak on a show. And, you know, it's like, oh, you want me to talk about myself? Okay. You know, it's like, I'll tell you about my fabulous life. Right. Okay. You know, but it, it, it's a really useful way to kind of open doors and get to know people. Uh, and then it's, it's other content that you didn't have to create, you know, um, you know, I've been a guest on about three podcasts in the past week and that kind of thing, which is great. Fantastic. Love it. Um, I, I love, I love talking. <laughs> I love sitting in my voice. Really? <laughs> Never thought that. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, and, uh, but, you know, but let's you know, get it backwards. It's not because I think I'm special or that I think I'm anything particularly unique to say. It's it's just the fact that, you know, it's, I, I think we all need to lighten up a bit. Um, mm-hmm. and, sure. and just we can have conversations and dialogue and talk about business and the world around us and what it is we're all dealing with, but in a, in a more lighthearted way. And, Absolutely. you know, I think if anybody made the fatal mistake of thinking that I was serious about <laughs> um, my hair or any of the nonsense that I talk about, I mean, if you just think what an obnoxious prick. Um, and, and that's the thing. It's kind of like, it, it's has to be tongue in cheek, you know, and it, sure. And, you know, because it's so ludicrous, but play it as if it's serious and that's where the humor is, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I, like, I, I mean, I'll joke and say, yeah, I, like, I love to, love, sure, I'm a performer. <laughs> I like, to, it's like, I love to be on stage. But more than anything else, I love to entertain people, you know, I, before I do anything else, you know, I want, you know, the, the three things I always talk about in content marketing is you, you need to uh, entertain, educate, or inspire, or all three. If you can do all three, fantastic. <laughs> You're me. Um, but I, <laughs> first, first, first and foremost for me is entertain. You know, you know, if I can make somebody laugh and make the day, I get loads of lovely comments from people saying, this made my day today, or I really look forward to seeing your content every day. And I kind of stuff, and you're like, really? Because we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Yeah. Things are shit. People are kind of chained to their computers. Yeah. If you can do something that's going to be vaguely entertaining for two minutes and, and raise a smile and have people kind of go, you know, oh, that was actually pretty good, um, you know, then great. That That's really kind of where, where it should be. And there's other times you, you I'll, I'll shift tone and I'm kind of like, I'm going to do something that's a bit uplifting today, but maybe in a more serious kind of way. Um, and, you know, and it's, it's just with, with everything content-wise, mm-hmm. everybody should be doing this is mixing it up. If you're just doing yeah. the one thing all the time, it's going to wear thin really, really quickly. Yeah. You know? Yeah, completely, completely get this. I mean, this is obviously an area that's near and dear to your heart, Hiker, in terms of when, when we're talking about strategy and everything regarding content. Well, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> Weirdly enough, um, not so much for myself. I neglect myself in that area, but for my clients, it is. And um, the strategy is, well, the ones I do are absolutely customized to my clients, to what they want, what they need right now and not um, in two years, three years. And many of my clients have a lot of blocks which they need to overcome in terms of being present on social media. And, um, well, I have my own, especially with videos. Um, Many people know that. And so it is great to be able to tap into that, take my creativity, my knowledge, my own experiences, and really do something for my clients with which they can work. They have a guideline. They have this strategy which backs them up and tells them what to do, when to do it. And um, yeah, they are comfortable with it or getting comfortable with it. And then when they have become comfortable, comfortable with that, they can 
go to the next level. And then we can, so to say, start over and look into leveling up. And, and that, is, that is what I want to do and love to do. Mm -hmm. I think the thing is, I mean, one of my favorite things to do is to have that discovery session with a, a brand, you know, business uh, and have you mm. know, a couple hours where we kind of go in deep to, you know, what are their brand values? How do they want to be seen? Who's their customers? Where do they hang out? All of that stuff, un unpack all that and then go, okay, right, fine. So what does success look, look like to you? Where do you want to go? Mm -hmm. uh, and having that long-term thing that, okay, right, we're at, fine. We know that's going to be the goal. And that's the, the, the vision for, for where we're going to go. But then in terms of the, the content. Okay. That sounds like a director. <laughs> Four minutes and shut up. <laughs> Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> we're going to commercial. Going to commercial. Um, Sorry. <laughs> what was I saying? Uh, yeah, but so then um, thinking of it in terms of, you know, what, like for example, I'm working with a, a client just now, and we have a we've we've done that, and we we know what the long term strategy is in terms of the brand build and what we're going to do with that. So what we're doing is there's some content that we do that is um, some brand content that's like high, um, more high spec kind of video kind of stuff, and and it's like from a concept point of view you really get a sense of where this this is, is going. But then on a day-to-day -day basis, like we'll we'll have meetings like, you know, once a week in terms of, okay, so what's happening this week in terms of the business? And okay, fine. fine. So we're doing reactive content uh, to what's happening immediately. And then there's, there's obviously the stuff that's there to show who they are and what they're about. But uh, the thing I'm, I'm always wary of is that, if you schedule a whole bunch of things uh, and if everything's scheduled, unless it's like evergreen content that can just kind of go on, then you could, I mean, imagine posting something that was really, really light and fluffy and something totally catastrophic happened in the world that day and you didn't acknowledge it. So you come across yeah. totally tone deaf. Mm. Um, so I'm always kind of never too happy about scheduling too far ahead or anything like that. Having a plan, absolutely. But making it quite reactive, so when I whenever I do that strategy thing with, you know, a business, then it's like, okay, we know where we want to go, but let's kind of still keep it fairly open in terms of yeah. certain things. Um, so there's a structure. Well, let's create a structure for what we would like to do in a week, but um, still keep that open to, right, say some weird shit happens. You're able to kind of respond to that in a way that's, you know, um, a bit more thoughtful. That was serious for a second. Holy shit! What happened there? <laughs> that was. I like that. I like. I like. I like the switch. Just keep it real. Oh, that's one of my favorite sayings. That keep it real. I love that's that saying. That's because you're done with the kids, Ash. Well, I like to think so. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Ash, Absolutely. Done with the kids. <laughs> that sounds really subversive and deeply disturbing, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does, it does indeed. This is, this is a family-friendly show. I'd like to wow. uh, like to repeat at this stage. Crazy. <laughs> Greg, it was a joy having you and obviously. talking talking with you. Obviously, <laughs> come on. Thank you very much. Yes, it, it was lovely hearing your voice, your, your so dulcet tones. Hi. <laughs> 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 awesome 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 so thank you very much uh for stopping by thank you all for stopping by um this has been us and um, thank you once again farewell okay so off greg goes off in through his black hole back to his dimension so thank you very much it was very kind of him to join us today in our lovely cafe at the end of the uh, universal rainbow. So what's the rest of the weekend have uh, in store for you, Heike? Work, a massive, a massive load of work, but okay. um, it's creative stuff. So it's all good and good to go. And yeah, I can dive into my happy universe of creating things. And that's awesome. Okay. I think I'm going to dive into the universe of a book. Um, and see what comes of that. 
So that's us done for this week. So thank you for stopping by at Cafe 42 once again. I hope you enjoyed all the shenanigans. We certainly did. Don't forget to pop in next week when we'll be talking about more. I don't know. What are we talking about next week? We don't know. We'll we don't know yet. <laughs> we'll be talking about something. Yes. So thank you very much. Thank Have you very good. much. <laughs> and cheers for all the fish. That's my line. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but you didn't say it. Come on. <laughs> I was going I've been trying to think of something else every week. And so Cheers of, for all the strawberries. <laughs> in a cafe? Of course. Strawberry cake. For example? A strawberry okay. uh, Thank you for the strawberry macaroons. How about that? <laughs> Done. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we're done. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>